When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. I'm your host, Connor Bromley, and I'm joined today by Alex Richards to talk all things Champions League. I am donning my Sunderland badge today just because we had a nice 5-0 win last night against Cheltenham Town, so I'm in good spirits. Um, Only one place to start, Alex, um, and we'll, we'll go to Manchester United, where they've... We're going through a bit of a sticky, a sticky spell, probably fair to say, at the minute. Um, a defeat at the weekend, a must. I mean, Ollie didn't say it was a must win in his press conference yesterday, but I think Ollie's deluded if he thinks that this isn't a must win game at home against Villarreal. Just how important is this one for Man United? As you say, I think he's a bit deluded if he thinks they they don't need to win. Um, you lose your opening game at Young Boys, and okay, it's away from home, and and these things happen. But if you then turn around and lose this one, you are not piling a heck of a lot of pressure on yourself when it comes to qualifying for the last stages again. Um, we obviously saw United last year fail to get through the groups. Um, and and quite frankly, they made a complete mess of that because they actually got off to a decent start and then, and then absolutely just toppled at the end. Um and, it, and to be quite frank, Connor, if, if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't get Manchester United out of the group stage, then we are sitting here at Christmas time going, well, are they going to sack him yet? Because quite frankly, that, that's just going to be the conversation as long as as long as long he doesn't achieve and as long as he doesn't get some, some kind of silverware on the table. Um, the defeat to Aston Villa at the weekend just leads to further questions about the playing style, about whether Solskjaer can actually get this side competing for trophies. Um, I think I said before that the signings they've made this summer, Jadon Sancho, Cristiano Ronaldo, Rafael Varane, mean Manchester United have to win something. And after each of these defeats, and like against Villa, like against Young Boys, like losing in the Carabao Cup last week to West Ham even, after each of these defeats, the pressure just ramps up on him. Um, If you look at United over the course of the, the season so far, there have been some good results. Have there been that many really outstanding performances? I'd have to say no. Other than the thrashing of Newcastle, um, when really you saw a goal glut towards the end of the game, they they haven't really set the world alight. And, and in terms of the quality of their play and being as good as the three teams we expect them to be competing against, Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City, you have to say they're a little rung below at the moment. Yeah, I mean, everyone thrashes Newcastle. It's always good when uh, Newcastle take a hammer. Um, what do you think of, you know, I mean, Ollie at the weekend was was quite, I mean, I would say he was wrong in his, his uh, assessment of Aston Villa's goal. I don't think that was offside. Um, I think he's creating excuses. And I know he's probably learned that from, the, from Alex Ferguson, who was the master of deflecting. But at the minute, to me, I feel like sometimes there needs to be a bit of responsibility at Man United. And I think Ollie needs to, uh, temper his want to deflect off the team, but also be realistic because many United fans aren't stupid. They know that even 
if that goal was offside, they still couldn't break down Aston Villa and couldn't get themselves a goal. They drew a blank. Yes, they missed a last-minute penalty, but still didn't break them down in open play. Sometimes there has to be that accountability. And I think at the minute, Ollie's not... Um, I don't think he's just he's not being honest with the fans. I think he's having a difficult time in going from from someone who was brought in to kind of redirect and right the ship when 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 they were really struggling under Jose Mourinho, and, and he's done that and he, he's done that quite well um, in fairness. But I think he's having having trouble going from that to right now. The now you've got to achieve. You know, it, it's it's one thing. There are levels where managers are concerned. You know, you, you see managers all the time who who are consistently good in the championship, say, and they will take a team from mid-table in the championship, get them promoted to the Premier League. Um, I'm thinking in particular here of the likes of Neil Warnock, Mick McCarthy. Terrific at that. But as soon as they get to the Premier League, it's always a relegation battle and they seemingly are either relegated or they don't quite last. Um and I think Ollie's no different here. And and I think, as you say, it does seem like he's trying to make excuses for himself. I think there's a lot of questions he needs to still answer. You know, what's what's the best looking attack that United can put out? What what midfield does he feel is is gives him the best balance? Because I'm damned if I know so far. I don't know about yourself, but you know, he he trusts this Scott McTominay and, and Fred Axis all the time. Now, in a game at home against Aston Villa like last weekend, is that creative enough? Is that is that strong enough to get you a result when you know you need to win? Um, we've seen him constantly defer to, to that pairing in big European games um, and, and in, in finals, in Europa League finals, in semi-finals. And they fall short when they come up against a team who are well-organised defensively or, or, or like Manchester City and are just a better side. So I think there are questions that he does need to answer. And I think that this kind of pointing towards other incidents that are kind of getting his goat. As you say, it's very it's a very much a deflection tactic that he's learned from from Sir Alex back in the day. Um what he needs to do, I think, is show the kind of accountability we're looking for. And basically tell Manchester United fans, this is why. Kind of this is this is the this is the plan. This is how I see things. I don't think he's quite doing that at the moment. Yeah, because if you think of, and we'll touch on the Manchester City game, of course, but you know, Man City last night, um, we know the issues that they've got going forward, that they drew a blank again. However, it is an obvious the way that they're trying to play. You know, if you're a Man City fan, it's clear what the identity of the team is. Yeah. You look at Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, exactly the same. You know how they're going to play. Thomas Tuchel, you know how he's going to play. Whereas with Oli, it feels more like he throws players onto the pitch and says, right, Fernandes, right, Ronaldo, right, Sancho. Pogba, you try and do something to to win us that game rather than actually methodically thinking through a game plan. And I think to me that seems to be the key difference between the the big four at the minute is Manchester United have the manager who is the weakest by quite a distance tactically. I don't know if, if I'm being a little bit too harsh though. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think it's an assessment that numerous people have made, isn't it? I think there's a lot of people have, have made the case. I've seen Paul Merson today say that quite simply, if Jurgen Klopp, um, Thomas Tuchel or Pep Guardiola were in charge of this Manchester United squad, they would get them to win the Premier League. Um, which which I think is, is effectively as, is the point that a lot of Manchester United fans who aren't particularly taken with 
Ole's management and his leadership, that's kind of the line they're taking. Um, now, if, if you looked further afield, perhaps, and you, and you looked at a manager like, say, Antonio Conte, when he came to Chelsea, he gave it a couple of months and then he really stamped his mark on the place. We saw it into Milan, really makes his mark. You can see the pattern of play. You can see the players buying into what he's doing. As you say about Solskjaer, you don't really get that feeling. It is kind of, here are my really good collection of players. Let's put them out onto the field and hope that they they kind of work their magic. Everything in attack seems to be so off the cuff. It's kind of, there's a defensive structure and there's an organisation and then as soon as they get the ball and they move through the thirds and they get toward the final third, then it's kind of, okay, here we are, what do we do now? Um, and, and as you say, when you see the likes of City, um, Liverpool, they're not like that. They're, they have those players that can do those those moments and, and those bring those moments of magic and brilliance to, to really decide a game. But there's also a set pattern that they play to and a structure when they are attacking and that's where United are lacking. That's where they're falling down. And that's why in games against stubborn defences like Aston Villa, they're struggling to make the breakthrough. We'll, we'll touch a little bit now on the game. Villarreal, they're a, a stubborn side. You know you know what you're going to get with Unai Emery. You're going to get a very defensively robust team, well-organised. I think this is a horrible game for Manchester United to have. They've obviously got history as well with Villarreal. But they're a, a game that on paper, I think United fans will say, well, we should win that at home. But the reality is, is this just isn't going to be a very easy game. And even if United do win, it, it it's likely not to be a high score and a fair, um, possibly settled on a, on a moment of brilliance for one of United's bigger players. But th- to me, this isn't a, a nice fixture for Manchester United. No, absolutely not. As if this is a, a, a Villarreal team that obviously held them in the Europa League final and then beat them on penalties last season. Um, they've not had a great start to the, the La Liga season. Um, six games, they've only won one. They haven't lost. They've drawn five. Um, they've only conceded three times in those six games. So, you know they're going to be well organised. You know they're going to be difficult to play against. And you know they've got a manager in Uno Emery who, when it comes to playing English side, he does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder given how he was kind of unceremoniously dumped by Arsenal. Um, we saw... We saw him get a semblance of revenge against the Gunners in the semi-final of the Europa League last season. As we've mentioned, Villarreal's first ever European trophy in the Europa League final. So they will be a, a tough nut to crack. And they also come to, to Old Trafford having won their first game in the group. So they'll be very much safe in the knowledge that, OK, if, if, we, if we come away from here with, with a draw, that's a, that's a much better result for Villarreal than it is for United. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump now. Chelsea against Juventus, or I was just say Juventus against Chelsea. Interesting game, this one. I think um, Juventus aren't quite the team they've been in years past, uh, but it, it's never easy going to Turin, and, and you'd think that they'd be pretty up for it playing against the European champions. Yeah, certainly. Um, this, again, as you say, it's a difficult game on paper for Chelsea, especially in, in the manner of the the weekend defeat to Manchester City when they didn't really create a lot, where I think I think it was notable that Mason Mount was missing. They really struggled to go from midfield to to attack without him. Um, Juventus this season, obviously the headline is that Cristiano Ronaldo is not there and that is proving an issue. Paolo Dybala is now back in favour under Max Allegri, but he's going to miss out on this game through injury. 
Alvaro Morata, it's touch and go whether he's going to play as well. Um, so they might well be left with Moise Keane uh, playing at centre-forward, who, who returned after after not really cutting the mustard at Everton, um, after having a decent time on loan at PSG last season. And, and I think PSG were, were actually kind of keen to keep him um, until, obviously, Lionel Messi became available. In which case, you know, where were you putting your money? Lionel Messi or Moise King? So he kind of has returned to Juventus and, and he's going to have to leave the line here. I think the surprising thing was they won their opening game in the group and, and won it well um, because they've really not been up to much in Syria apart from the last couple of games which they've won. Um, defensively, they're not as sure as they have been in recent years, already conceded 10 league goals in just six games. So Max Allegri's got a lot of issues there that he needs to kind of address not least the fact, you know, Leonardo Benucci and Giorgio Chiellini, who we obviously saw at the Euros in the summer, so brilliant for so long, but they're now in the twilight of their career. So he's got to kind of build them away from that and take them into a new era. But Chelsea go there and Chelsea are favourites for me. They have to be. Um, European champions for a reason, because we know how good they can be. And they've got the tools to hurt Juventus if they're at their best. Yeah, I mean, I think with Chelsea as well, Tuchel was talking about expectations yesterday. And, you know, I think the reality is now is the expectations are very high at Chelsea, particularly in yeah. Europe. I think they're, they're aiming to retain that crown. I know that there might be maybe slightly more focus from the fans on the Premier League, but I think it's it's important that they do give themselves a good account of the Champions League and storm out of that group, which they should do quite easily. But I think tonight yeah, you're playing the name Juventus rather than the players, aren't you? I mean, you've touched on that there, but it's it sounds a much harder game than probably what it actually is for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think if Juventus are going to win this game, they're going to win it 1-0. They're going to they're gonna have to be, you know, roll back the years defensively and snatch a goal. Um, I think if for Chelsea to win this, Chelsea just have to play at something like their best. Um, if Mason Mount is is, is okay, then I would expect him and Kai Havertz both to be back in that starting lineup, playing off Romelu Lukaku. Something more akin to what we saw of Chelsea in the away game at Liverpool earlier in the season, rather than rather than the home game against City at the weekend. I think if they play anything like they did in that first 45 minutes at Anfield, they they, they get this job done and, and come away from Turin with, with a victory. But that's the key question for Thomas Tuchel. Can he get this side to play in that way? Or do we see them play the kind of football we saw at the weekend when they were they sat off City too much, they gave them a little bit too much respect and, and really that's not what this Chelsea have been about in in his his reign. Yeah, because Tuchel's been a manager who's done no wrong, has he, since he's came in. I think we saw at the weekend the first blemishes, you know. That was the first time I think people really thought, Oh, you know what, like there is a way past his kind of team. And you know, I think it's fair to say Guardiola beat him tactically. Yeah. in that game tonight is quite big for Chelsea in the sense that a defeat would just maybe put no, no pressure I'm not saying you'd be under pressure but it would put a little bit of doubt in a little bit of oh do you know what they're not quite as you know fearful because we all thought and we've all thought since they brought Lukaku that this team is possibly the best team in the Premier League but a defeat on Saturday a defeat midweek would start a, you know kind of put that little bit of doubt in everyone's mind yeah I think I think Gary Neville said it best when he said they looked ominous um in re- in recent weeks, and then and then you kind of thought going into the game on Saturday they will stand toe to toe with with City, and 
they didn't. They kind of had a, an inferiority complex, just sitting back, sitting off. And OK, you could you could see the game plan was to keep it tight and to, to break quickly with the pace of, of Werner and Lukaku and to, to have those two up top and, and be quick in transition. It didn't work like that at all. And and, and I think that, as you say, if, if they have a similar issue tonight, it kind of puts that seed of doubt in your mind. Now, let's... let's Let's not be foolish. They've got two back-to-back games against Malmo in the Champions League next. You expect six points from that and then, hey, they're going to still qualify. But in terms of an overall psyche as we move through the season, it just does put that seed of doubt in their mind and it puts puts into their rivals' minds that, OK, we, they're not the team that perhaps we thought they were. We'll look now at last night's games. Uh, we will touch on a Sheriff's surprising win at Real Madrid. What a goal that was, by the way, to win that one. But we'll we'll first touch on PSG against Man City. Everyone was talking about Pep Guardiola, Leo Messi. Turns out that that kind of was the deciding factor. Leo Messi scored. But we were talking a little bit off uh, air beforehand. And while Pep seemed to be quite happy with Manchester City's performance, they didn't really create all that much. Of course, missed one real set with Bernardo Silva. But other than that, it, it didn't seem to be a particularly... Uh, well, Sort of, well, it wasn't a shot heavy performance from Man City. That's probably the best way of describing it. They didn't really break down PSG enough. Oh, certainly not. I think um, every save Gianluigi Donnarumma had to make last night, you kind of thought he should save that. Um, there, there was, other than, other than Sterling's header hitting the crossbar and then Bernardo Silva, how he missed, I still don't really know. Um, other than that moment, there wasn't really a, a clear-cut chance that City created. And you have to say that was down to very well-organised PSG defending. Um, I think a lot of the pre-match focus was on how will PSG defend because you have a front three that aren't really going to do that and, and don't really want to. Um, I think one one thing that I, I was kind of impressed by was Neymar was willing to, which I don't think we really associate with him throughout his career, but he was willing to track back. Um there was one moment where a lovely ball was played over to Riyad Mahrez and he was completely free and Neymar was there. He, he reappeared six yards out from his own goal line and got a toe in. So I think PSG, you give them credit for their defending. I think the thing with City is this is a different situation to, to what we see from United. City are so organised in both defence and in attack and they play these patterns and you know what kind of goal you're going to get from City to the byline, little cutbacks when one arrives and, and scores from in the penalty area. But wasn't working last night. And, and it was one of those nights where you, you looked at them and you thought, if you had a number nine, if you, if you had Harry Kane playing centre-forward, you could maybe just put a few crosses in from a deeper position. And, and at least that gives you something else. You know, they were looking to cross last night and, and there's no one in there really to, to do it. There was one, the one ball, as we've mentioned, Sterling heading off the crossbar. That was one magnificent ball from Kevin De Bruyne outside his right boot. But that wasn't really really something that you see from them enough. You're not going to cross repeatedly and find Raheem Sterling's head. So maybe if they had a number nine, it would have been another avenue and it would have opened up the the little cutbacks and things like that that they like. Um, We saw Jack Grealish. He had a difficult night. He had a running battle with the referee, which was interesting. He didn't get any decisions at all. Um, But he had a running battle with Ashraf Hakimi as well. And, And I don't think he really got the better of the fullback at all. He never really never really was able to get outside him. And, and I think when City aren't able to get to the byline, that's when they do have problems. Um, PSG marshaled them well. 
have to say. And, and I thought thought that away from away from Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, they had the games outstanding player in Marco Verratti, who was just out of this world. The, the level of composure he has when taking the ball under pressure on the edge of his own box is is just remarkable. I mean, we, we can talk you know all day about Man City's number nine issues, but. It is surprising that a club with all their resources and, you know, who spent £100 million on Jack Grealish, who knew Sergio Aguero was leaving for so long last season, weren't able to to even get somebody to plug a gap. You know, they could have brought in, and I'm thinking, you know, over the years, players like Fernando Llorente, I know obviously he's finished now, but when Tottenham had him to back up Harry Kane, you know, a few years ago, it was just, it gave them a different option. You just wonder if last night they would have benefited from having a player in that ilk who isn't, you know, necessarily the greatest. He's not going to score you 30 goals, but he can change a game for you in the sense that you can change your style of play when you're chasing a game. And to me, you look at the City team, you go, well, if it isn't working, and we've seen them draw now, I think that's the third blank of the season, which for Man City is is crazy. But it's because there isn't a way of changing the game. If you're defending that that passing game and they can't get the players in the box and they're, they're not breaking through, they're never going to score. So if you don't have anything to change it, then they're going to struggle in games. And we saw that again last night. And to me, it, it's baffling that they, they didn't even try and bring in something in the forward area just to give them a different option. I think this is the thing with Pep Guardiola, though, isn't it? You know, we since we can sit here and say, oh, when plan A doesn't work, you, you should have a plan B. I think Pep Guardiola just thinks when plan A doesn't work, we should be doing plan A better. Um, you know, we've seen this season, they have a number nine in Gabriel Jesus and he's been using him out wide a lot. He's been transferring Ferran Torres into the centre of attack and, and Ferran Torres in some games has been outstanding. I'm thinking in particular against Arsenal when his movement was absolute top draw. In other games, he's a little bit, he, he's, he's not had the touches and he's not so involved. Um, so it is an issue. Obviously, they had Harry Kane as their number one target. That was the man they wanted. That was the person Pep Guardiola wanted. And and it seems he just, when it became aware that a, a deal couldn't be done for Harry Kane, okay, that's it. We we go with what we've got. And I think there's an you have to kind of admire that stance, but also it leaves you open to question. And and that's where we're at with City. There are games where even Chelsea at the weekend. But for a deflected Gabriel Jesus effort winning that game, that looked very similar to this in that they completely dominated. They had a lot of the ball. They worked worked openings, but never really were able to make the most of them and get, get chances off. Um, but on this night, unfortunately for them, whereas Chelsea had no threat, PSG had a threat and, and had players who were able to execute and, and take the chances that came their way. I mean, we'll talk there about the, them PSG players. You know, Messi finally gets his, his goal for PSG, but he, he has came close. You know, I think he's hit the bar a couple of times with some good efforts um, playing there. You just look at the, that goal, the quality of the goal that he scored and think, wow, like that's that's exactly what you were waiting to see. You were waiting to see that that goal he scored 100 times for Barcelona and he finally did it last night for PSG. Do you think that's put everybody on notice as to has he now found what he had at Barcelona? Is he now fitting into the team? Because last night as well, that front three worked together better than they ever have in the previous games. And and to me, seeing that, that goal they scored, it, it was scary. It's a learning process for him, isn't it? It wasn't going to click from day one, you know. Um, 
Lionel Messi is is now thirty four. This isn't the Lionel Messi that that played with Neymar at Barcelona. This isn't the Neymar that played with Lionel Messi at Barcelona. They're both matured. They're both different players now. Um, and then you add Kylian Mbappe into that mix. The, the Messi needs to learn to play with him as well. Mbappe is is having to learn a new role in this side because he's gone from playing from from out to in to playing as the number nine a little bit more. And and I don't think that that's necessarily something that as we sit here, particularly suits him. I think he's better getting on, getting his touches and coming from a, a slightly deeper position rather than being right up top. Um, so they're all having to adapt. But as you say, this does put the rest of Europe on notice that, as Mauricio Pochettino has said, they will get better, they will improve, they will get these movements and these nuances to their game together. And, and this is the sort of showing that says, hey, they are serious about this Champions League. Defensively, they were good um, and they can hurt you. And as we saw with the goal, as you mentioned it, we've seen Messi do this however many times down the years, run towards the penalty area, little one-two, doesn't even break stride and, and, and a fine finish. It, any other player in, in world football scores that goal last night and we are talking about how breathtaking it was, how it was such a great move and, and, and that. It's almost mundane and, and routine with him, um, which in itself is is just ridiculously special. But I'm, I'm sure it didn't feel mundane and routine to those who were in Paris last night and who who were there for it because this this was just I mean it was just messy of old. It was it was just him at his very best, and it was just an unerring finish. And we've talked about routine there. Liverpool winning games, that's kind of the routine at the minute. Last night against FC Portal, can't say I was surprised to see them win, but I probably was a little bit surprised to see the, the scoreline. Mind, I must say, the FC Portal goalkeeper had an absolute stinker. He, he really, really struggled. The one goal in particular, Firmino scored, where he, for some reason, runs 40 yards out of his goal when his centre-back has the ball. It was surprising, baffling, you would say, mm. in the Champions League to see. Especially FC Porto as well. They're, they're a good team. You don't expect them to have a goalkeeper who seem to have such an off night. But for Liverpool last night, it was routine. You know, they, they, they do these kind of performances and, and play this way often away from home in Europe. And last night, no surprise to see them, you know, ease past FC Porto. Yeah, I mean, Porto are a decent team. And, and they're, they're usually quite a hard-to-beat team. But Liverpool just have this hoodoo over them. I think the last time Liverpool went there, they won five nil. Um, there's just some, there's just something about Liverpool that when Porto play them, they kind of just can't get near them. Uh, and this was another another occasion. They scored five. To be quite honest, they could have had they could have had another two or three. They they just ran riot. Um, Curtis Jones in central midfield. He got a special mention from Klopp after the game because. He'd actually been struggling with, with a, a stomach upset beforehand and and the medical staff weren't sure whether how long he'd be able to last. But they gave him a go and then he was absolutely outstanding. And, and I think it puts him in a good place to start when they meet City at the weekend. Although without Trent Alexander-Arnold, so James Milner filled in at right back and he did a fine job. And you've got Sadio Mane getting his goals, Mo Salah getting his goals, Firmino among the goals again. They're cooking along nicely. Um you know, take away the, the defensive issues at Brentford at the weekend. Hey, they happen. Sometimes people have off days. Liverpool, are, Gary Neville said about Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, ominous. 
for me, Liverpool look quite ominous at the moment. They're ticking along nicely. And I think people as well, um, I've mentioned this a few times on this podcast, but Liverpool kind of slipped under the radar because I think people forget how good they were just a yeah. couple of years ago. You know, they were they pretty much didn't lose a game for two years. It certainly felt that way anyway. And now they've got everyone back fit. Could Are we seeing the return to that kind of, that level of performance from Liverpool? Are we going to see them, you know, come back to that year they won the Champions League and followed up with the Premier League? I mean, people are, are maybe underselling how good they actually are. Yeah, certainly. I think you you go back to the, the years when they and they and Man City were were just head to head. You know, Man City hit 100 points. Then the next year, City hit 98 and Liverpool hit 97. The following year, Liverpool win what was it 29 with their first 30 games, and that's your, that's your title race done. That's the level for whoever's going to win the Premier League this season. That's where they need to get to, and and Liverpool are more than capable of that. Um, look, of course, you you look on social media and whatnot, and you see there are a certain section of fans who, during the transfer window, why haven't we spent this? Why aren't we doing that? Nobody knows more about what that team needs than Jurgen Klopp and and those around him. Um, and they deemed that hey, okay, we're losing Ginny Wijnaldum. We don't really need much more than another centre half to make sure we are really covered there. We've got Harvey Elliott. Okay, he's un- unfortunately he's injured now, but there was a lot of faith in him. We've got Curtis Jones, keeps improving, coming through. They're in a very good place. Um, and so as we move forward to, you know, what is a mouth-watering game this weekend, them against City, this is another chance for them to really lay down a marker. Yeah, I mean, talked about Man City there, Liverpool, Man City this weekend. How do you see that one playing out? Because you've got a team that is scoring so many goals. I think Liverpool scored 20 goals in September against a Man City team that, you know, have have scored goals on occasion, but have also drawn quite a lot of blanks. It, it should be a, a quite interesting tactical battle between the two teams. Yeah, certainly. I think it'll be, I, it will be similar to City's game against PSG last night, but Liverpool will be far more ferocious in how they try and Press City and how they try and they'll try and nick the ball much higher upfield than, than PSG did, which I think will will offer Liverpool more chances, but it may also offer City more. Um, so it, it's going to be one that really it will swing on very fine margins, um, and and I think Pep Guardiola knows that. I think Jurgen Klopp knows that, and I think it's one we can just sit there and enjoy because it's going to be a tremendous game and they're really going to go at it. And it's going to be one where after after the 90 minutes is done, one of them will have just looked at the other one and gone, there you go, there you go boys. That's what we're about. Try yeah. and follow us. Um, and, and I look forward to whichever one of them comes out on top. If City go to Anfield and win, you look at it and you, again, you go, right, they've been to Stamford Bridge and won. They've been to Anfield and won. They are, again, the team to beat. If Liverpool, we've seen them before, come out like a tour de force against City and really go at them hard and early in these games. If they come out and they do something similar, you you look at Liverpool and, and then that's when we will be going, yeah, they're very much back where they were. Yeah, I think you'd, you'd look at Liverpool's attacking you know, prowess and, and worries maybe a strong way, but I, you do think that Liverpool are going to be stronger than Man City in that final third and I think it could be whoever scores the most goals and, and you'd fancy 
Liverpool to do that. Um, we'll, we'll finish off, talk a little bit about Sheriff. You know, we all kind of saw them come in the Champions League and, uh, you know, most people, myself included, didn't really know that much about them. Two wins, though, and last night to go to the Bernabeu and, and get themselves a 2-1 win. That, that's kind of what dreams are made of. And I saw, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who scored the goal had the tattoo on his leg of him visualising the Champions League as well. And it's just a, yeah. a nice a nice story. But the goal itself, the winner, was just phenomenal. He'll never hit a ball better in his, in his life. Um, given given the, the game, given the situation, Sebastian Till, uh, I think he plays for Luxembourg, he's not going to have any moment in the remainder of his career that's just as good as... He might as well retire now, to be frank. <laughs> just, 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 he hung his boots up today. He can live off this moment for the rest of his life. Um, but yeah, I think even better for them. Well, not even better because they've won at the Bernabeu. Come on. But Shakhtar and Inter Milan drawing nil-nil, leaving both of those on only one point. Sheriff have already got six. Back-to-back games against Inter now. They're giving themselves a real chance of, of qualification. Um, they are in. They're in charge of the group. And okay, you can you can point to this game last night. They could play it between the, the two ninety nine more times, and Real Madrid would win all ninety nine. They had that many chances, that many shots. Sheriff have scored a wonder goal and 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 one rare counter attack. I think Thibaut Courtois only actually made one save. Um, the other, two, the other two shots on target both went past him. Um, but, you know, who cares about that? This, this is football at the end of the day. Is it, you know, if this were a boxing fight, it would have probably probably been stopped before the 90th minute. Um, but this is football and, and Sheriff just, what a great win for them. It's not one that will be widely celebrated in Moldova, given given the history of the club and, and kind of where they're from and, and whatnot. But great night for them. And, and Real Madrid... You know, if we didn't know that they were kind of in a state of flux already, you certainly do now because this isn't this isn't the Real Madrid side that obviously dominated this competition in recent years. There's been a lot of changeover, a lot of key men have, have gone. They've tried to tried to get younger, and Carlo Ancelotti's got a real job on his hands if they're going to win any silverware this season. Yeah, just kind of shows the state of Spanish football at the minute. Um, so we're all out of time now. So Alex, thanks for for coming along and, and digesting the the football from last night. Thanks everybody for watching, and please subscribe on you know whatever podcast app you use, or follow our pages on Facebook and social media. And please just enjoy the rest of your week and look forward to some cracking football this weekend. Bye.